entrepreneurship is far more um, than just uh, profits and losses. Um, entrepreneurship is um, a mindset which, you know, first and foremost, you got to start from within yourselves. You need to assess yourselves and see what you're capable of. You have to be very, very realistic about what you're, what you're worthy of or what you're capable of. You cannot just think that you are the best or you are the worst. You know, either ways, you have to be realistic. Driven by Doing is how the world moves forward. A show where entrepreneurs, professionals and students share their stories, how they learn from their failures to get to where they are today, to inspire all of us to be a better version of ourselves. This show is sponsored by UpSquad. It's your community for growth. Sign up for free today at upsquad.com to schedule time with experts in your field and get advice or request a demo at hello at upsquad.com to set up your own organization's virtual community build your squad with upsquad now let's get to the show hello and welcome to another episode of driven by today we have a special guest from india joining us it is none other than mahavir pratap sharma from Jaipur, India. Mahavir, welcome to the show. Thank you. So Mahavir is the global chair in 2020 for the Indus Entrepreneurs, which is a nonprofit based out of Silicon Valley. And he's a serial entrepreneur. He has started several businesses and today we are going to learn from his story. So Mahavir, again, once again, thanks for your time today. And please share your journey. Like, you know, it's, it's been, Pleasure just to get to know about all the great things that you have been doing. So tell us where you wanted to, like, know how your story has began three decades ago, especially in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Yeah. So uh, I'll um, thank you, Venki, for having me, and I hope I can um, inspire a few people to become entrepreneurs um, and, and um, get um, the world going in the direction that it needs to go. So my journey, um, you know, started off, um, you know, like any other um, school going kid wanting to do it, become an engineer or a doctor. And I wanted to be an engineer, um, you know, in India, IIT is big. Um, I tried to um, give IIT, I was 2200 in the ranking. I was getting marine engineering and I wanted chemical engineering. And I said, no, I'll wait one year. I'll study in the local college and then give the exam again next year and get chemical engineering and um, lo and behold i did not even get marine engineering the next year because <laughs> so i ended up just doing a science graduation in a local college in jaipur after great schooling um, at a convent school in jaipur so i never went and went on to become an engineer i was always um, very um, active um, you know sports i was a good athlete I used to play cricket i used to play basketball and I used to, and I represented my local college and local university in you know, basketball. And, you know, my mother had started a small uh, business for, of handmade carpets. And I figured I'll join her or not. But, you know, my father um, um, had just quit, you know, finished, got retired from his government job and came and started. And I did not get along with my father. And so I figured, no, it's not easy to live at home. I don't think I can join my parents' business. I think I should do and go out and work for a company. So I joined the company. I um, joined the company. I worked in the company for about two months. 
Um, I wanted, um, and I did very well. I mean, I was, I think, overqualified for the job that I was doing, um, traveling across India, selling stuff. One fine day, um, I wanted a week, uh, seven days off um, after two months in the job because there was one of my um, cousins was getting married and I was very close to her and I was refused and I resigned and I walked away. And that's when I realized that I'm not cut out to be working for anyone. And that's when I, I started and I can't work with my father either. So it, it was a challenging situation. Um, luck would have it. I was uh, a good basketball player. There are summer camps in the U.S., you know, um, they were uh, foreign uh, instructors. I gave an interview uh, without telling anyone, and I was selected um, as, at a summer camp in Pennsylvania, right where you are in the Poconos. And I ended up being there, um, you know, in the late 80s. And that's, that's where my turn started. I was so enamored by the U.S. And I posted two, eight weeks of summer camp. We got four weeks. Um, to roam around. I was in New York, Boston, you know, we went to upstate New York, I mean, and DC and everyone. And right at the East Coast, we did the first year. And I was so impressed with the US that I figured this is where I want to be. So I came back that year, finished my graduation, went again to the summer camp um, as, as, a, um, as a higher person. And I, right after the camp, with my resume, I started to, because I knew carpets, I knew understood carpets. I went to carpet dealers in the US right after that and they finally gave me a job and also 10 percent um commission on whatever i sell or whatever i save them from purchases in india because i had a lot of um, you know history and knowledge on, on handmade rugs and that's where my journey started working for them for about a year or two i got an opportunity to buy them out um, i bought my them i started my own business i was in new york for three years moved to boston for the next three years and for the next six years, I was importing, wholesaling, you know, carpets, jewelry, name and what. And, you know, that's where I uh, became from having left India with a one-way ticket um, given to, be my, to me by my mother. I suddenly became a self-made entrepreneur and I made a lot of money. Um, as things would have it, I had to come back to India because I lost my mother. My brother was alone. I had to uh, work you know, with my experience and, you know, whatever. So that's when, when I came back to India with my learnings in the U.S., I started one business after the other. So from exporting handmade carpets to jewelry, to marketing, to branding, to, to doing multiple stuff until in about 2002, um, Thai, the Indus entrepreneurs came to, to Jaipur and I became, a, I was, became a reluctant, you know, I was a successful entrepreneur doing very well in handicrafts, exports, imports, manufacturing. And, you know, Thai showed me a different world altogether. And five, six years were my learning years where I saw the bubble, um, you know, burst and the, the star, you know, the software companies doing very well. And I suddenly said, this is tech is the future. And, and then in 2009, 10, when I was the president of Rajasthan, I suddenly realized that we need to start to invest as an angel investors. And there were angel networks that were coming around. And then despite continuing to stay in the businesses that I am, or I still, um, you know, we still do, I ended up becoming an angel investor. I, I started to understand technology. I had that basic, um, you know, and that's where we are at, you know. So I have multiple business. I've almost become an angel investor. I don't do day-to-day um, -day working, but I'm there on vision, mission, long-term uh, planning, um, the direction, pivoting if required, fundraising, marketing and branding. And that's what I do with all businesses, whether the older 
uh, traditional businesses of handmade carpets in which we are now retailing, wholesaling in India, in the US, manufacturing, jewelry, silver. So everything and even the startup that I invest in. So I just, that has just been my journey and I have had lots of um, failures. I, I mean, don't get me wrong that everything sounds very nice and very uh, progressive, but I have lost a lot of money. I've lost um, a lot of face. I've been, I've failed in things that I started, but it's okay. That's part of learning and that's where I am. And then these 34 years of my entrepreneurial journey, I think I've become far more sensible, mature, or calmer. And um, I hope um, I can continue to inspire and invest in young enterprising startups. That's amazing, uh, Mahavir. You share a lot for our viewers just now, your the whole story in just, a, a, in just like a few minutes. And you started several businesses in the last three decades. And like you might have come across these businesses or you had this insight in that industry that you wanted to explore more. So share us a little bit more about like, how do you come up with these ideas of creating those businesses? Because you have done it again and again. Yes, there are a lot of failures and we have seen like a lot of entrepreneurs who are failing, but the next time they do it, they do it like 10X better. So tell us, walk through that strategy or the framework that you use whenever you start a new business. So I, I personally feel that obviously um, I did not start off with thinking that I would do 10 different things. Uh, it just happened so. So when we, because handmade carpets was something that my mother had a small factory that I had learned while growing up. So that was a natural thing that came to me. And that is what gave me the roots in the US, as you saw. But then 91, 92, um, Iran-Iraq war, German unification, the carpet, the rug industry went through a bad time. And then I realized that there's, you should not depend on one business. What if Iran, there's embargo, there's, you know, all that stuff happening. We, and Jaipur is known for jewelry, for gemstones. And so I said, I think I should have two businesses and they're easy to work with. They don't, you know, compete. So I started this second business and learned how to do gemstones. And I went into diamonds and colored stones and I was importing that into Boston and wholesaling that in the US. So I was doing carpets and jewelries, both importing into the US. Suddenly when I had to come back to India and that was a setback, I figured I have all these people that I was competing with. Now they all know me. So I, I know what their selling price is. I know what their ethics and processes are. So I, they are my customers. So I started to, sub, so it was a natural progression from that to there. But then when, when, when internet, in late 90s, um, early 2000, um, became an important thing. Emails uh, became very, very critical. So I figured that we need to have a technology backup for all the businesses that we have. We need to have good photographs. We need to have um, good presentations, etc. So in early 2000, we started this. It was in-house, and we started to create multiple stuffs on technology. So that's where the marketing, the branding, which has which now gone into SEO, SMO, uh, newspaper printing, you know, so all that was natural progression for that company. So while they are in-house for us, but they are now working for other companies too, because they have to survive. They have a team that needs work. So, so it, it eventually we went to publishing, um, uh, magazines, marketing, branding, you know, all that happened. And that's where that company came in from our own internal needs. Um, I was, I was telling you about, um, you know, die and you know the impact of environment that everyone everything will have so we figured that we need to we cannot be polluting the mother earth or and carpets washing and dying and everything so we started to have we need to have an a very fully functional industrial area 
where we recycle and you know so that's where the industrial side of the real estate that we we started we are doing um, has come up so eventually one thing led to the other and i think startups then gave me a new vision and when i started to invest in 2013 onwards especially education sector fintech sector i figured that the future uh, of education future of trading um, uh, money and commodities is going to be technology and that's what um, i wanted to learn and no better way to learn i've realized is is to other than to invest money into them because you know um, I've, I've i've learned on the field i've never learned in, in in the classroom so it's just so happens that i have invested and i have learned so much and i continue to learn and get inspired uh, by all the youngsters that you can think of that's amazing uh, so you shared a lot of gems there and you touched upon few things that i'm curious to learn more about especially you invested in the education space and you also mentioned about fintech and you mentioned what's the the key skill that is required for entrepreneurs it's actually learning in the field right it's not like something that you're going to learn in a classroom or in 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 just a four wall building right so for entrepreneurs like we always see test and fail and learn that's the process that we all need to go through so what are some of the tips that you would generally give to entrepreneurs who are just getting started or who are just thinking of becoming entrepreneurs and who might not even have an idea what would you tell them to how to learn about entrepreneurship and how to go about that see entrepreneurship is not being understanding numbers it's not about knowing profit and loss and what's how to make money and unit economics um entrepreneurship is far more um than just uh, profits and losses um entrepreneurship is um a mindset which you know first and foremost you got to start from within yourselves you need to assess yourselves and see what you're capable of you have to be very very realistic about what you're what you're worthy of or what you're capable of you cannot just think that you are the best or you are the worst you know either ways you have to be realistic once you have that you need to understand your academic qualifications your academic abilities your um, natural abilities and and you should synergize the, the two and see the domain of the sector that makes you relevant rather than that once you have that sector identified obviously you can't be doing everything and you're not good at everything anyways so you find your team or your co-founders who you think who can be better than you let's say if i'm not a techie i need someone to write codes so i get a technology person if i'm not a great if i'm good at marketing and branding i worry about sales myself but then i maybe i need to get someone for operations someone for logistics whatever so what you need to build the right team and you can't do that without you you understanding what you are without everyone having the skin in the game everything on so every entrepreneurial journey starts from within assessing oneself abilities being realistic being ready for the worst case scenario building a team around the idea that you you think you are the best fit or the sector or the domain that you're in look and then once you have a sector domain and a broad team then you see in that sector what is it that you want to do because education is such a vast field health tech is such a vast field you can't be doing everything that's relevant in 2019 that might not be relevant in 2022 so you really have to understand before you are ready and you launch in 5 months 3 months 6 months 1 year what is it that you want to do where is the future heading you have to think so that is what i recommend that 
people who've not yet become uh, entrepreneurs, this is where they need to assess which is, is blockchain the future, is AI the future, is ML the future. If that future is something that I hold key to, if can I get that together and bring that into agriculture? I mean, it, these are all tools, as you know, but the sector that interests me, can I get that? Can I? So all that combination, permutations, team building, idea, your background, the country that you're from, what is needed where you are, what is not being served already, what can others not do? And you have to be very, very agile, very, very um, nimble. You have to be very, very fertile and if, if you need to pivot because you know during the long run, you're not here just because you want to solve a problem and it doesn't get solved or someone solves it better than you, you run away. You do something else. You do some, you modify yourself. So all that has to be put in place from the word go and it's a continuous process. And that's how, what I would recommend startups or entrepreneurs to think today. Great uh, answer, uh, Mahavir. And you talked about creating that entrepreneurial mindset and it's a very long game, as you rightly mentioned. And we see a lot of startups fail because of the wrong team or just not fitting together in that, like, you no, know, the for the vision that a founder might have created. And you touched mm -hmm. about building team around that vision. And you also talked about how entrepreneurs might think from the beginning regarding their sector they wanted to choose. Because one thing that we always see entrepreneurs, like even investors asking entrepreneurs, like why you are the right fit for this product. It's not just about product market fit, but also founder uh, product fit. Why is that like you are going to build this amazing product that can help people? So now my next question to you is, you absolutely exude passion for like building entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial ecosystem, especially with Thai Global. Now we are seeing a lot of entrepreneurs coming out of Tier two, tier three cities across the world because of the technology. And you rightly mentioned about technology being the key going forward. So what are the things that people might think about when they think about technology? Because you, you talked about AI, ML, like all these futuristic technologies and the sectors that people are super passionate about solving those key problems. So do you think like, you know, especially in the education space, are we in the right path to be able to like explore more uh, combining the technology and the sectors, you see what I'm saying? Like, how can education system create that kind of an ecosystem for even people to think about entrepreneurship? Because that's one thing that we feel like you know, there has to be a lot of work done, especially in the education systems uh, in India and beyond. I think it's, it's changing. I think um, colleges uh, in India these days don't just say 100% placement uh, for the graduating class. I mean, they're very proud to say that their entrepreneurial cell or the e-cell uh, has created so many self-employed people or this startup or five startups were funded uh, at our campus. So it's, it's changing, it's changing very fast. I think um, startups getting funded, uh, valuations are the buzzword. They're so exciting um, um, these days in India at least. And I think that's that's a good sign. And that's all because of the ecosystem that has been generated. So I think, like it or not, education, offline education, um, for sure is changing because everyone cannot be hired. More people who can create jobs have to be, uh, uh, have to come out of the colleges also. Online education, I think, and, and self-education, I think also are very, very critical. I think, I, I think education, um, mediums 
um, for, for kids who cannot um, afford to go to schools, who want to do self-learning, who cannot um, afford um, you know, to, to uh, pay for expensive schools, but they can sit at home and, and work at their own convenience. Languages have easy one-on-one you know, -on -one teachings and video. So I think the technology will enable good education. I think we will have people that are ready and skilled. You know, Previously in India, we, we used to be good academically. It was all theory. Now the actual skills, the knowledge, and most important application of that theoretical knowledge into real life problems is what has been, is being taught. What was missing when we went to school and college or maybe when you went to college 10, 15 years ago. I think that has changed. And I, I think digital, uh, the world, you know, knowledge, the online education from the Khan academies to, to the local people and, and these all these nonprofits and philanthropic knowledges and, and uh, lessons that we have, have really enabled students in remote areas. Um, and language is no longer a barrier, you know, it, you know, translations in regional languages, uh, and India has so many of them is not difficult. So I, I personally feel that the transformation and um, educating the rural India, the tier three, tier four city India, the um, widening at the horizon of knowledge of whatever the school can provide or the college can provide is something that education has brought and that will continue to bring um, in my opinion. I mean, I, I've invested in a few um, uh, startups that are not edu into education, but their skill upgradation, communications, you know, how to present. Even if you, if you are working in the hospitality sector, you need to be able to talk to your customer, how, how to do that, how to, to behave in, in an interview, how do you dress, how do you conduct yourselves, how do you sit or stand, um, ethics, morals, you know, all these things are part of education which we never thought they were, you know, they were all part of our upbringing because of our parents and we learned on the field and on ground and by, by people checking us. Now all of that is available and there are tools available. So I think, I think this plethora of uh, knowledge, tools, mediums available in addition to what is available offline. And I don't think geographies matter anymore. I think, um, you know, people can sit, sit in China, India and do a course in Harvard um, and and that's, that's good enough for me because it doesn't really matter. Um, the only thing that's missing is offline networking or peer, uh, this thing, which I think eventually, um, you know, will change or will work around, but I think it's knowledge will get transported across the globe. Absolutely. So my next question to you is, uh, you invested in a lot of startups and what are the factors that you consider while making an investment decision? So there are a lot of things we hear from, uh, especially investors, that they have a checklist or a thesis about investing in startups. So what is your checklist or thesis when you, when you come across founders who bring up these visions when you're planning I'll to- tell you, I'll tell you something. Um, people, I've heard people say there's a checklist. I've heard people say that they grade everything and if something is above an eight, they would invest. For me, you know, everything is very important. The team, the solution, um, the timing, the, the success of the business model, the unit economics, um, you know, and the market, the competition, every, you know, I can name 15, 20 things. Everything is important. If one thing I find a glitch or a doubt, 
And if I see that glitch cannot be overcome with the present scenario, present team, present solution, and if the team is not competent enough to do that, I wouldn't invest. So it's very, very critical, in my opinion, that everything has to be aligned um, for it to work. It, no startup can succeed if it's not a win-win situation. You know, I, if, if WhatsApp, when it came to me, when it was launched, came to me today, I would not invest. No one would invest because now unit economics, commercials are very, very critical. It's not just the numbers and downloads and the outreach, which is good. But the fact that there is so much happening on the social media and on, on messages and messengers and so much, it's very critical that someone has to be really, really out of the box for us to be able to think that, that this person. So it's very, very um, minute. It's a lot of experience. It's a lot of what's happening across the world. Seeking opinions from uh, experts in that domain is also very critical. Validating, verifying with their existing customers, some sort of point, you know, POC traction, growth month on month, um, a marketing strategy that is not um, expensive or not very, um, uh, you know, difficult to um, conduct. All those things, everything matters in my in my my book. And if I see something is not working or something might not work, irrespective of the future of success, and I could be wrong, I really I I tend to stay away from it. So I, for me, everything has to fall in place. Honestly, that's great uh, because like that's a great insight uh, just to get to know how entrepreneurs who have created businesses and now investing think because they kind of like know everything that falls into creating a successful business. Do you think that is one of the main advantages when you're looking at startups because you have worked on so many businesses that gives you an edge to actually look at a team and tell you and tell, hey, this is going to be a successful team based on, yes, they could do a lot of things right today, but will they be successful in the future? Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of experience, I agree, but it's not that I've not gone wrong. I mean, I've lost money um, that I've invested in great ideas and great teams and great startups. But that was all part of the part of learning. I personally feel that if the team is good, they will sooner or later pivot. They will sooner or later later succeed. Um, they will work hard, and they are not depending on just you, but they are they are they are hardworking kids. And that that's one thing that's always um, worked for me. And I think a lot of it um, comes from experience. I mean, I'll I'll tell you some simple examples. I mean, I've had great people, great team, great ideas come and pitch to me. And sometimes, you know, you, they go overboard in, in over, they, they oversell themselves. We are a great team. I'm from IIT, I am uh, MIT, Harvard, whatever. Um, and then I have this idea, it's patent pending and no one else has it. Great. So why are you just making 100% profit and why not 500% profit? I mean, if you have a unique idea and, a, and no one has it, you don't need money, sir. You can, you can make much more money. So what I'm trying to say is that you have to understand that you, they, I prefer teams and who are realistic that this is as far as we can go. This is what we bring to the table, but we are lacking this and that's why we need to onboard. We need to spend money on marketing. We need to onboard more technology. We need to backward integrate on production or we need to forward integrate into markets in the US and whatever that is. You have to be very, very realistic in what you can do, what your idea can do, 
what your education, what your experience in previous companies and the product can do. But why are you coming to me as an investor? Is because you know that this money will get you what you don't have. So be realistic and mention that when you are pitching. So that gives, gives the person a comfort as to where that is. And you can't just say that I'm valued at 20 million and I've not had one single penny coming to me as revenue. You need to have justifiable reason just because you want to be 20 million, you don't, you don't become 20 million. You, so you really need to, to have your maths in place, your um, abilities in place, and they have to match and they have to sync. Otherwise, every, we as investors can smell the rat very easily. And it's, it's not a difficult thing to do because sometimes, sometimes the maths does not add up. Sometimes the projections don't add up. Sometimes the due diligence on the past does not add up. Sometimes your um, revenues um, or your GMV and your net profit, your unit economics, they don't add up. So you will get, you can't hide anything in this world. It's, it's a full disclosure. So you really have to be very, very clear about your business. You have to be communicating it well. You have to be realistic when you communicate. Your valuations, your asks should be in sync with what you need, not undervalued or overvalued, uh, not exaggerated for sure. Absolutely. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs uh, who are listening to this show today, or uh, just like seeing this uh, video interview, I think they'll definitely take away a lot of great insights. Uh, Mahavir, so my next question, or like you know, just moving on to the next part, now coming on to learning more about Thai, and like you, know, you are leading this organization uh, from last year around the, around the world. So tell us, a, tell us a little bit more about Thai and how it is helping entrepreneurs from around the world to build these ecosystems. Well, well, a little bit of disclosure. I mean, I was heading um, Thai globally in 2020. My term got over in January 21. Um, um, you know, it's a one-year term, and I, I did that. Uh, but I'm still associated with Thai. I still um, love Thai. I'm still, um, you know, uh, an ambassador um, on whatever it does. So Thai, Thai um, is a great organization. I mean, and I'll tell you why it's a great organization, because it's an organization of volunteers. It doesn't work on people who are working behind the scenes, paid salaried people. It works like with people like us who are who are giving their time, energy, money, pro bono. We invest in what we mentor. We we are absolutely the um, uh, flag bearers of entrepreneurship from each each level to each level. And it's not just me. There are hundreds like me across the globe. There are sixty some chapters. Uh, we've been around for twenty. 1992 to now 28 29 years now and and we we have absolutely impacted so we have a program that goes to schools which is called the tye there's a thai university program which goes to colleges and universities there is a thai women's program which works with women entrepreneurs uh, as founders or co-founders there's a thai access program which works with the underprivileged um, um, you know people across the globe who want to be entrepreneurs there is an angel program across the globe where we invest in startups. And all of these are building your skills of entrepreneurship through business plans, through competitions, through mentoring, through classroom sessions, through network, through various modules that work at the chapter level, at the country level, and at the global level. So it gives you all of that education, all of that networking, all of that impact where we invest in school uh, pass out finalists or university finalists or women entrepreneurs or in you know 
uh, all these people because we believe that they have done what they need to do and they need to be encouraged and we don't care because it's part of our agenda and it's many many people across the globe who are doing all of this with with probably a very very so we probably tie global has a, a total staff of about 100 people across the globe or 13000 members i mean i mean and and that's and we have probably have about 40 to 50 um uh, uh, you know now virtual programs but otherwise physical programs per week so imagine 100 people delivering 40 to 50 things per week programs learnings competitions etc etc with and serving 13000 members that's a very very low per capita um you know investment for a great output and impact that we have had across uh, in the last 28 29 years so i think it's a great organization everyone has a free um, you know it's obviously very democratic it's very very um, um simple if you give in time if you give in shared knowledge you 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 become what you become imagine someone like me coming from a traditional businesses and, and, and an angel investor in india to lead the global organization whereas everything sits in silicon valley boston and whatnot so i think it's it's a great organization and i think it, it has proven not once but many times um, in the last few years so I, I i'm i'm very positive and it's probably the only organization that's um, connected globally um, wanting to give back it's not just about networking like other organizations are that's amazing. I think uh, we have seen how Thai has been doing some amazing work around the world, helping entrepreneurs to learn and create that mindset, which is the key to build those great companies all around the world. And you talked about Thai working to empower women, because that is one area that like we are seeing across the globe, a lot of women entrepreneurs are coming up with great solutions. And a lot of times we hear things like women entrepreneurs getting less investments when compared to the other counterparts. What do you think can actually help women entrepreneurs from around the world who are starting to think about being coming into entrepreneurship and building products? Yeah, so that's that's the unfortunate part. I think I think um, the the um, misnomers about um, women being non-tech uh, um, people, misnomers about men going to more engineering colleges and all startups being um, technology based are now being broken i mean it's not just it's not just the technology technology can be paid for and bought um, medical sciences biomedical sciences um, investments in the medicine field where lots of women um, uh, scientists are part of is, is one critical element that has changed women are now loving um, engineering and technology and coding and blockchain and whatnot so i think that's 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 something that's gone Secondly, you know, investors. Um, um, so there's a pipeline of people who have founders and co-founders as women. We as investors always thought, oh, women, she'll get married, her priorities will be her children. You know, so that has also changed. I think with with um, men taking the lead at home, women driving uh, families um, are, are a fact today. They're they're the earning members, and men, men are happy to be doing stuff. Uh, or equally partnering um, in upbringing of their children and, and taking the ambitions of a woman. Um, and I think being an entrepreneur is very, very good. Rather than working from a nine to five, five day job for a woman as a mother, as a wife, as, as a, a, a whatever, it's far more non-flexible than working as an entrepreneur. You can work 
late at night, you can work anywhere. And this, this pandemic has shown us that work from home is the best thing or the easiest thing that one can do. And now this has really impacted uh, everything. So the investor's mindset is changing. I don't judge just because there's a women entrepreneur. I don't, we don't ask, you know, back 10 years ago, eight years ago, it used to cross everyone's mind, but not anymore. And I think that has changed. And I think that's what we're trying to re-emphasize, reinforce um, and, and work with people and encourage people. And I think that's where marketing and outreach um, of the Thai Women Program to encourage women to start off, to look at funding, to look at startups, to work with their uh, uh, male co-founders or female co-founders and to grow. And there is ample opportunity, ample funding. Um, and I personally, in my opinion, and I have invested uh, both in male and female um, uh, co-founder uh, startups, I find women far more organized and far more sincere um, than men. You know, men sometimes um, tend to uh, um, over-promise and under-deliver, in my opinion. Um, and, and women are, are far better at all of that. And I think that's where certain roles, and especially many, many startups that I have, um, CEOs as women are doing much better than their male male counterpart um, investor startups, and I'm very happy and proud of that. That's amazing. Uh, it's it's great to see how like you know you your insights around women uh, empowerment, especially in the entrepreneurship space. Anyway, so one last question to you is: What is the best advice that you received while you're starting your entrepreneurial journey years ago? Oh boy, no, that's a difficult question. What is the best advice that I have? So I, um, I mean, it, it is an advice where, which I said was a realistic part. I mean, I was a very, very, I'm a very passionate person and I'm a very, very, I take quick decisions and I, I go by impulse and I'm very impulsive. Um, but I was told that, you know, maybe a, a pause, a break, um, I mean, you, you can go with the first thing that came to your mind, but don't blurb it out, sleep over it, wait for a couple of days. And that has always, I think, paid me well. I think that has worked well with me. And I have um, actually um, not changed my decision, but I have put it in better words in a far neutral tone. Um, uh, even if I was angry with someone, I did not have to be angry because I took time to decide why would I not invest in that? And so that has, by experience, made me um, easier for, to, for me to work with. And many people used to, to check. I mean, though it, it, I mean, quite honestly, it has helped me a lot because you know people love the energy, people love the positivity, the smile, the, the, the enthusiasm and passion. But still, um, down the line, if you're calm from within inside and the, you, you've given it the thought at the back of your mind before you say things with equal passion and energy, I think it's a little shade better um, in um, short-term and long-term um, relationship with the startup or with your business partners or your, or your customers or your suppliers, whatever the case may be. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing uh, one more great advice, Mahavir. It's been a pleasure talking to you and gaining great insights by just seeing from the other side, like you know, from an investor's angle sure. and who has done and built wonderful businesses for over three decades now. And is there any final words that you wanted to share with our audience? No, today? no, I, I just, I you know, I, I keep on continuing to blurb whatever comes to my mind. I'm never prepared for any question. I love giving spontaneous answers. I hope people can make sense of it. 
I hope uh, people can draw positivities and um, learnings from it um, and add, add to whatever um, they are capable of doing. I hope this works well and I would love to have a feedback uh, from you, Venki, once this is on air. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure once again. Thanks again for coming onto the show. Pleasure. Thank you.